audio version of Michael Leighton's blog. March 8, 2023. A special message for International Women's Day. From my Facebook page Michael Leighton March 8, 2023. Dear Women, On this International Women's Day, however much I can say thank you to women around the world, I cannot express the true amount of gratitude for your consistent immense contribution. While grey clouds gather over our world with divisive forces tearing away at every sphere of human relations, it becomes increasingly clear that if the world developed according to the will of women, then we would be living in a completely different world. The Kabbalistic source is right that it is thanks to righteous women that we succeeded in exiting Egypt. Egypt in this context has nothing to do with the geographical location. Rather, it means the egoistic human nature behind our divisiveness, conflicts and wars. Therefore, I sincerely hope that your desire will help humanity overcome its egoistic nature and that you could impact a major positive shift in the world. You have the special ability to understand what it means to care about the world's future and the next generation of children and families. For the time being, we fail to understand the full extent of the world's dependence on you. But the more we transition to an increasingly interconnected and interdependent world, the more we will see how much we all depend on you. I thus help that you will wish for everyone's hearts to open up to one another until we discover how we can all live together in harmony and peace. Hold on to every moment of the path. The most important thing is to continue, as it is said, do anything but leave. This do not leave applies to every moment. In the moment in which you are, do not run away, but continue the same path to the same goal. Then these moments will very quickly become stages of the path and will lead you to the goal. This is the main thing. Here, of course the group that can pull you and take care of you is very important. We need to awaken each other all the time and advance in such a way. From the Daily Kabbalah Lesson February 22, 2023 preparing for the opening of the heart at the Congress. Exile from Spirituality When we discuss the topic of Passover, we don't study the details of the holiday according to the calendar on the wall, but rather, the spiritual path and progress toward the final correction. This path is not short and it includes many stages. The very first stage is to begin to relate correctly to your will to receive, to your nature, in order to understand why this state is called exile or Egypt. Everyone who wants to come to the land of Israel, to ascend to the upper spiritual degrees, must first go through exile in Egypt. We study spirituality in a state of exile, that is, when we are distant from spirituality. Exile teaches and educates us and reformats us, in the correct form. When we realize that it is absolutely necessary, then we will be able to come out of exile to redemption. Redemption is impossible without prior exile. What is this exile? It is not corporeal troubles, the suffering from hunger, thirst, or hard work. Exile should be represented as an exile from spirituality, 
but we do not know what spirituality is yet. Yet it is precisely at the time when we are in a state of exile that we begin to feel what spirituality should be, where it exists, why we are far from it, and what we lack. This is how we gradually begin to receive Kelim, desires for spirituality. When these desires reach a full measure, we escape from the state of exile. It really becomes unbearable for us, and we cannot stay in it. From the first part of the Daily Kabbalah Lesson March 5th 2023. Pesach, Passover. We shall do in order to hear. The path from a person of this world to the state that is equal to the Creator is divided into many degrees and states through which we need to ascend. That is, each person needs to correct his inner qualities until he turns from an ordinary person into one who is similar to the Creator. This entire path can be divided into stages, just as physical routes are divided into kilometers along the way. There are 613 commandments in the Torah, states that we need to go through. The commandments are also called advices, which must be fulfilled in order to become more and more similar to the Creator with their help, up to complete adhesion with him. Commandment also means advice because in each such appeal of the Creator to us, there is a preparation for attainment, which is called posterior, as well as the attainment itself, which is called face. The Creator offers us, some kind of action. If we fulfill it, then in accordance with it we will receive some kind of spiritual elevation and new qualities will be revealed in us and thus we will take a step toward the Creator. Performing the action itself is considered the posterior, that is, at this time we still do not understand anything and do not receive anything, but when we finish the action, we reveal some quality, the next degree, a new state of the Creator, and this is called face. Therefore it is written in the Torah, we shall do and we shall hear. These are two states. When we do some actions exactly as it is written, we reveal within ourselves the ability to hear and rise to the next degree. There are 613 such degrees in total. There are 613 preparatory degrees that take us, to a new level. And there is also the side of the face when after preparation, we begin to hear and understand what is being said and to reveal something new. This is how we attain the meaning of these commandments the meaning of these instructions. From the first part of the Daily Kabbalah Lesson March 4, 2023. Introduction of the Book of Zohar. Kabbalists' First Students. Question, why were your first students Russian speakers? Answer, I published several books in Russian first. So people came to me and literally forced me to study with them. Actually it was easier for me to read and write in Russian back then. Besides, I did not see anyone needing it in Hebrew at the time. Thus, in the closed Russian circle I felt free and unrestricted. I was afraid to reveal myself in Hebrew. Who am I even if I am a student of a great Kabbalist? I still lack confidence and it was not time yet. It was 1991 to 1992 and I was giving talks on the radio in Russian at that time. Therefore Russian speakers came and said they wanted to study. Question, 
Why did you feel the need to speak on the radio? Answer, this need had developed in me long before. Kabbalah itself called for this and I felt a certain inner pressure. It is like childbirth when you give out what is in you, give birth, and have room for the next portion, for the next build up and attainment of the material. I accumulated the material, attained it, compiled it within myself and then poured it into the book. Through this I gave birth in a way. Then my inner capacity was vacant again, and it was possible to start thinking about the next topic, accumulate material, process, and study from the sources. It was a huge incentive to develop, read, process, realize, and express everything on paper and get a reaction from people. From Cab TV's I got a call. Leitman's Soul Route June 2nd 2012 We should say only good things to each other. Question, there are a lot of articles in the media questioning where we are going. Many articles today report on what is happening in Israel and concludes that Israel is becoming a tough and cruel country as evidenced by 55,000 cases of physical violence, 32,000 of domestic violence, and mayhem on the roads. Instances of a driver in a traffic jam getting out of his car and beating up another driver, knives instantly being pulled out in altercations, and domestic violence turning into death have been noted. There is also violence in hospitals, in ambulances, and incidents of doctors being beaten. Tell me please, what is happening with Israel? Or maybe we haven't seen this before? Answer, it used to be a little different because egoism was not so big everywhere. Today it is a terrible condition and it will be even worse. Question, does this mean we will not be able to stop it by any earthly, ordinary measures? Answer, no, not by any ordinary measures. Egoism is getting bigger, more merciless, and more uncontrollable by the minute. That is how it happens. We are influenced by the egoism growing in us, which we must correct, and yet we do not correct it. Question, so it will inevitably grow and require only correction? Answer, yes. And we cannot look at others to compare with others, how they are and how we are. Question, so the correction is on us? Only? Answer, yes. Just turn everything into friendship, into good relations. Nothing else. If it will work, yes, and if it will not work, it will be the end of us. Question, so you think the goal of the country is good connection and friendship between all citizens of Israel? Answer, yes. Question, just like that, in a simple way? Answer, it is not easy and simple, but it should be like this. Question, so you think that the laws, even the economic and political laws of the Knesset, should be brought only to this? Answer, of course. Comment, they say that we simplify everything, that sentences are too simple, so simple for people. But, on the other hand, it is impossible to implement, as it turns out. My response. So if they can't do them, then what does we simplify mean? We should only say good things to each other. Comment, meaning, to radiate only warmth to another. My response, only. From Cab TV's News with Dr. Michael Leitman December 8, 2022.
New Life 258. Mixed Neighborhoods. Hello, and thanks for joining us on the New Life Show with Dr. Michael Lightman. Hello, Dr. Lightman. Hello. Hello, Mitzamazaz. Hello. And today we'd like to learn how can we make our life better. Our life is made up of relationships with our spouse, with our children, with our neighbors, with the people that we work with, and with the people that live in our neighborhood. And today we'd like to understand how can we make our life better in our neighborhood. It's something that we touched upon in our previous talk as well, and today we'd like to advance. What we understood in our previous talk is that if we can reach a feeling in our neighborhood that we're like one family, like one man with one woman that have two kids and a dog, then we will be able to find the emotional dialogue that can connect us positively and allow us to understand what do we need to do in order to make our neighborhood the best neighborhood in the world, so that when we come home at the end of the day, we'll feel that we came to a safe, warm place where we're happy to raise our children. This is our general vision to build our life in the neighborhood as one family. And today we'd like to focus on two additional aspects. Nitsa, please. So we're talking about a mixed neighborhood. Meaning what? There are many neighborhoods that are more or less homogeneous. Same type of population where it's seemingly easier to reach better relations because people understand each other, more or less they have the same needs, talk the same language, so to speak. And there are many neighborhoods in Israel that are mixed neighborhoods, and it's a big challenge. It's like a mini-society inside one neighborhood where you have Hebrew-speaking neighbors, Russian-speaking neighbors, neighbors that came from Ethiopia, have religious and secular. There are many gaps, both because of the language barrier and also mentality. Each brings something else. And this is a kind of challenge. The beauty of this kind of neighborhood that it's very colorful, various. But we also know from research that when you can create some kind of harmony in such a variety of colors and tastes and smells, etc., then you get the most, the richest and most interesting picture. So our challenge is to take such a neighborhood and see. How do we start creating a system of relations which is more considerate, understanding, more like a family? So this is what we'd like to talk about today. A neighborhood that's really colorful, various, multifaceted, and how do we start creating in this neighborhood closer ties? So it will be warmer, more pleasant, nicer. This is actually the purpose of our talk today. There is nothing to talk about. Why? Because it's all a nice pink dream, but it's unrealistic. I see 
In my neighborhood, there's this sign that says, Dear resident, please keep our city clean. Our city. Meaning, they're turning to our ego that it's worthwhile for us in our common place, which is our city, to act this way. So let's do something together. I need to feel that it is a common place. Meaning, it's not enough for me to be closed inside my home, but I need to have a feeling here that we're in some kind of cooperation, mutuality. And a person runs away from it. He doesn't want it. Mutuality, it means that I depend on you, you depend on me, that you depend on me, it means that I owe you something, and I depend on you. It's also uncomfortable. The best thing is a wall, I'm here, I depend only on myself, and on the other side, you do whatever you want. Here we need to work against our ego, against this rejection, estrangement that exists inside of me, that this is how I developed. In the past, we lived in a commune, in an extended family, in a village, like Owen's dreaming about all the time. And today, even though that we're living next to each other, we're living on the same floor, not like in his village that possibly live a hundred meters away from each other, and still we don't want to be interdependent. Our ego really grew, and in past years, even more. Even though that we're connected through the Internet, by phone, etc., etc., it doesn't help. To the contrary, it's just a sign of how much we're moving away from one another. And the entire pretty story that you told me about, it's probably something that, you know, as a child you used to play in your neighborhood with dolls and everything was pretty and nice and pink, but that's nostalgia and it's unrealistic nowadays. But really, if we want to solve these problems and feel good, then we need to go against our ego. And this is a problem meaning to raise the profitability of our connection, egoistic connection, that it is far more worthwhile for us than to be egoistically estranged from one another. We're not even talking about altruism, the correction of human nature, not at all. We didn't talk about that earlier either. But that it's good for us to connect in order to reach a safer life, nicer without uh, what dogs leave behind them, etc., etc., without danger for our kids and for ourselves, etc. So here we need to work on it, meaning it is nonetheless to raise a person's conscience from being a very subjective, individualistic person, cut off from others, aloof, a real egoist that doesn't want to see anyone, even if they're standing next to him. And we need to turn him into a social person, social being.
which is really a big change because our entire trend, we see it from history, it's the opposite. People are moving further and further away from each other. And so here there needs to be an act of psychological, social education that takes time needs a place and lots of investment. Lots of investment. We said that we can approach it through the children because children by nature, they don't yet have the ego. They demand each other. They develop by it. In life, they go through the same stages as humanity did, and therefore there is a time where all of them want to be together, and they look at each other and learn from each other. And they're social and everything, and so we need to use these things and maybe arrange different clubs for them, activities, and through that, we can attract the parents into it and have different activities for parents, maybe open a beauty parlor for uh, women and bicycle riding club for men, for women, go on trips, arrange a bus for all the kids in the neighborhood to take them to some place, some trip, etc. Meaning all these things can be done, but the main thing is how do we reach a state where we sit people together. Still, I think that it's the connection between us is through the children. That, for example, we throw a party, a birthday, common birthday for a few kids, like you do in the kindergarten, etc., for all the kids together. We can do it in this way. And this is nonetheless in a neighborhood that more or less has a homogeneous atmosphere. But in a neighborhood that's a mixed neighborhood, that they don't even maybe speak the same language and they have different mentalities, that's a big problem. Big that I don't know how will we be able to immediately overcome it. It's a long way. Meaning here we really need to awaken a very big desire to be connected. Meaning, first of all, the reason for which I need to connect with the Russians, with the Ethiopians, with the older, with the younger, with men, with women, different types of people, that I will see that I'm dependent on everyone. And this condition that we have something very important that we have in common that we can take this, whatever it is in common that we have, and raise it above all differences, then it's worthwhile. It's like in a family, that if we have a household and common children, etc., etc., then we're not that quick to cut things and get divorced, etc. We nonetheless make an effort 
We take a psychologist, a family, etc., etc. And that's how every time we try to nonetheless keep in touch, keep the connection between us. Same thing here. So, first of all, we need to see what benefits are there that we can show to the residents in the neighborhood for which it will be worthwhile for them to skip, bridge over all the gaps. He's black, he's red, she's white, they're yellow, man, woman, and the language is Russian, Hebrew, Amharic, etc., etc. And also different mentality, different kitchen, even that you and Oren, you're Israelis, both of you, but both of you have a different kitchen, your mentality is different too, etc., etc. We see that over time, neighborhoods, they become homogeneous, not mixed. People, nonetheless, start connecting, finding a place of residence that's close to them, that it will be also convenient for the kids. I look whether it's going to be convenient for the children. I don't care. I come home. I don't mind who's living there. I have a home of my own, or a channel that I like, or a computer, and the few hours that I'm at home. But if I'm already, if I already want to go jogging or bicycle riding or something else, then I look, are there a few such here too, and then I choose, who can I connect with, etc., etc., and I look, do the kids have who to play with, is it good, is it comfortable? Meaning, on the one hand, we need to find something that's threatening here and that it is equal for everyone that can connect us, meaning that there could be a big common loss for all of us or a big common benefit that both can be a basis on which we can connect. And only this way can we approach people, otherwise with four, because they'll ask, what do we have as a result? What do I need it for? What, am I going to get married or something? It's like a wedding. What am I getting here? There, I like her, she likes me. We have relations, inner, um, corporeal, this, that. It's clear that there's something common, but if there isn't, then there isn't. We're a man not to need a woman in terms of food, sex, family, and a man to need a woman, would they ever connect? They wouldn't see that the other exists altogether. So it's the same here. All in all, what we need to see is that the concept of the family simply expands, extends to an entire neighborhood, an ordinary neighborhood, a homogeneous neighborhood. But a mixed neighborhood, that's a problem. Because how many mixed couples do you have of different races, for example? Relatively not many. 
and obviously why, because it's very hard for me to understand the other person. Maybe it's so much so that it's even impossible. Because I see that all the Ethiopians are talking Amharic. I see there are there are Ethiopians in my neighborhood too, but they speak a language that I don't understand. Their approach to life is different. I keep quiet, I have music of my own, movies of my own, tastes of my own, food of my own. I want for my kids to be raised in a specific way, the way I myself am, maybe. And for them, it's a different approach to things. And I don't want to impose my culture, education, and mentality on them. I don't want to treat them out of dictatorship, right? But I also don't want to accept what they have. It's not that I appreciate or don't. I actually appreciate what they have. Their, their families, the relations they have in the family, the way they grew up there in Africa for thousands of generations, it's fine. But it's very unsuitable for me. What can I do? Meaning each has their own place in here. We need to go into some kind of a mixed family. Still, we talked about it, that a neighborhood is family. So how am I going to do it? Meaning, there needs to be the goal of moving away from suffering and coming closer to pleasure, which is very tangible, big, that you really have a big gain from it. There needs to be some kind of a strong motivating force. The reason for it needs to be really big for all of us to come closer to each other. God forbid, some war, plague, hurricane, something that's really, that you have to. Then we see all animals, and we also need to learn it from the animal world. Comes a tsunami, then there's no longer a lion and a deer and a wolf and whatever. Everyone runs away. No one looks at the other. They really all run away from their common trouble. Later we'll think what to do about each other. But in the meantime, we see how it is here in times of war. Suddenly, everyone is pretty and nice. The war is over. The next day, that's it. We honk on the roads, yell at each other, curse, etc. You said that, for example, you come and you stumble upon a population that speaks a different language like Amharic. So to stumble upon a population speaking Amharic, that happens from time to time, but what's much more common here in Israel is that you uh, come to some place, workplace, elevator, and you see people talking, talking Russian. That's much more common. Or suppose you go into Bnebrak, the religious city of Bnebrak, there are areas where they speak Yiddish. But these are the extremes where it's obvious that if they speak a different language, then we have no common ground on which we can meet. I'm not only asking about people that speak different languages, that have different mentalities. 
We just talked about three very close groups. Those who came from Ethiopia, those who came from the former USSR, and ultra-religious. And there are many other groups in Israel, for sure. But, you know, these are three very individualistic groups that are very different from everyone else. A mixed neighborhood can not only take us to such extremes, but to things that are maybe not so distant, but still different. Suppose you're religious and secular. You want that on Shabbat, on Saturday. You'll have a calm, tranquil atmosphere, and I want to have public transportation for me and my kids so we can go to places and do things. So it's not only a different language. In mixed neighborhoods, there could be populations that have different needs. And the question here, I think, is how do you take a population that one part has certain needs, another part has other needs, maybe it's even more complicated, but let's just stick to these so it will be simpler. But group A has their needs fully legit, the other group too. We're two different neighborhoods. These would build a certain way of living that suits them, and they would build something that suits them. But this is how it is in life, that there are mixed neighborhoods. You're saying that a person feels better in a homogeneous neighborhood, and many people make that choice. That's true. I'm all in favor. Because if I don't want to hear music on Sabbath and have a barbecue under my window, and for her it's the exact opposite, for example, why should we stand in each other's way? I respect her, but she should respect me too. And what do you do? We have a common territory, so to speak. Right. Usually people make that consideration and find the neighborhood that suits them best. But the way things are, I don't know why. It doesn't matter what the reasons really are, but there aren't mixed neighborhoods. Not many, but in every city there are. The question is, how do we connect between people in such a neighborhood? taking into consideration that the neighborhood is a mixed one. You said that how do you find something that either from the negative or from the positive side is common? How can you find here something that either you can lose big time for both kinds of populations or gain something big time? What kind of process? No, no, no. The process is not the problem here. It's not a process. We need to elevate them above the gaps, like in any other thing, above the gaps, like it says, love covers all crimes. That's specifically because we respect each other and we help each other for things to be the way they like it, each the way they like it by conceding to the other and the other concedes to me. By that, we reach something common that's greater and more beneficial, that's worthwhile. That's how I need to see things. Otherwise, why should I concede to you?
Why? Uh, shouldn't I turn my music on on Saturday? But a bit quietly. That's how I see my neighbors. And why can't I on Saturday morning or towards the afternoon have a barbecue on the lawn under your window? I see that at workplaces in modern workplaces there they open kosher restaurants and according to the population there it's a very small percentage that really need it but in order to make things easier for someone that could be one of our partners that he is light religious doesn't matter but for him it's important that the food will be kosher so we all go and eat kosher food because we have some business lunch or something I see that that's how it is Furthermore, I see on the Day of Atonement, the New York Stock Exchange, the main stock exchange in the world, is closed, so to speak, and different such things, meaning there are different such conditions that you accept. You simply accept. That's how it is. But that's on condition that the other side, too understands the other's needs and doesn't interfere, but actually makes the extra mile and even helps. Even helps. This is what I think we should do. But again, what do we gain? There what we gain is that everyone can sit together in a kosher restaurant and we eat kosher. So what? Think those, the seculars. But we eat together with, them, with our religious friend and we have a talk about different work matters, etc., etc. And the same thing inside this neighborhood. But inside the neighborhood, it's also a problem. What will my little children play with your children? What values do I have and what values do you have? And also, I, as a religious person, don't really want for them to get your values. And they're, uh, they're talking about TV shows, etc., etc., and I don't have a TV. Meaning there's a big problem here. There's a very narrow common area here that doesn't have to do with the kitchen or the daily schedule or the dogs at home and I see that you have ten dogs and for me it's, you know, it's a problem. If you're talking about religion, here really there are very deep and principal problems. However, if it's not religion, then we can already start talking about mutual activities for the kids, anything, you know, a bike is a bike for everyone, a ball is a ball for everyone, etc., etc. Also food, so we mix these foods with those. I discovered, when I came to Israel, I discovered falafel. 
previously, I couldn't stand the smell. Jachnun. One of my workers started bringing me Jachnun, and I got used to it, and I really liked it. Yemenian soup. On the one hand. On the other hand, you know, you can enjoy different things, I think. It's also a matter of habit. But it's on condition that we don't touch religion. If it's religious and secular, I don't know how to bridge the gap between them, how to connect them. But in a gentleman kind of way, yours is yours, mine is mine. And we make sure not to offend the rights of the other. Or there's something common between us that is very far from mentality, from religion, from our daily schedule, day-to-day life, etc. But also here there's a problem because if it's a religious person, I don't know if his kids will go to the same club that my kids will go to, judo, bicycle riding, I don't know. Here it's a problem. Even other sport swimming pools, you know, mixed boys and girls, it's a problem. Whereas everything else, we simply need to raise the general profitability above the loss that I need to lose of my private property in favor of connecting to the other because I can really gain something from it. It's like an ordinary business. So what I see are two options. The one is a homogeneous neighborhood, meaning to connect people that are pretty much alike. And the other option is a mixed neighborhood where you have to connect people that are very different. So these are two very different levels of connection. So among those that are alike, it's much easier. Among those that are different, there's an additional element where you need to bring in concession, meaning in advance, I need to know that because we're different, if I want to establish connection, then I need to concede something and they need to concede. Yeah, there you need to concede too, but there I only need to give up my comfort, sort of. Here you need to concede your mentality, tastes, different things that are much harder to concede. While you were speaking, what came to mind is that it's really interesting how inside all of this hardship, actually we here in Israel are dealing a lot with connection between people that are different, even with our neighbors. We have such a different mentality and no wonder that it's so hard for us to connect. So I feel that if we will succeed in finding some way, and it's really a challenge, but maybe through a neighborhood, which is relatively easy. For now, I'm not talking about secular and religious mixed neighborhoods because it's impossible. Right. But suppose Russian speakers, Amharic speakers, and more veteran Israelis. If I'll be able to connect them, maybe it will be easier to connect others too. Only through children. Because for children, it's not that important. 
And then we can create for them some kind of shared playground, activities, clubs, different things. And then also to interest the mothers this way, and then also to interest the fathers. Meaning to do it this way, gradually, bit by bit. I don't see any other things that can be shared, or, I don't know, a playground for dogs, besides a playground for children. This is something that's shared. That's what I think. It could be parties or something, but again, it's through the children. When children, when the children have uh, some kind of party on the grass, and then we invite the neighborhood. But still, here you need some kind of a committee or some strong person who knows how to do it, and then starts cooking, cooking the thing. So it can't happen spontaneously or anything. It has to be organized. Yeah, yeah, very gently, gradually, that this how it has to be. And it's really worthwhile that it's beneficial. It needs to be beneficial all the time, that everyone will understand that it's beneficial, that this is something that kids will want, that then the mothers will come, the fathers will come, and will invest in the neighborhood, and other things that here we'll sit on the grass and there we'll have a concert that the teenagers will throw to have some kind of party instead of partying at night with beers or something maybe build some kind of stage for them it needs to be something good something pretty and also I think that the municipality has budgets for it and people that are supposed to help and take care of these things I don't think it's a problem could also be around the problems troubles in the neighborhood like different things that are not taken care of Maybe through that we can connect. So either we gain instead of lose, or we just gain net. Net gain. Or it could be some problem with, uh, you know, serious noise or radiation from a big antenna that will feel ourselves like under threat, like... God forbid, in a war is something from some kind of external threat, or that we can gain something, all of us together, by some kind of common action that we do together. And it's possible. I'd like to ask, when we'll start this process of connecting people that are alike, will it help us somehow in the future to connect people that are not similar? That's harder. It's harder because the more, the stronger each block is, the, the harder it is for them to do something that's mixed. But again, we can learn together what are the laws of the municipality and what can we demand for nonetheless participating because we pay taxes, right? And because of that, maybe we'll start getting organized together, we'll collect signatures, we'll have some kind of neighborhood meeting, etc., etc., and what can we do? Because 
still, the kindergartens are inside the neighborhoods, schools inside the neighborhoods. Maybe we can benefit our kids somehow, make things happen to the benefit of the children, etc. Maybe we can also have different activities at school for the children in the evenings, suppose or that our, our children will spend more time in school so it will be easier for us. I mean, there are many things here that you can organize the residents in such a way that they'll be able to demand of the local municipality either additional services or simply services that they deserve and no one takes care of. And, of course, the municipality is always glad that no one's demanding anything of it. That's always how it is. Now, these different kinds of services for the different kinds of populations, there are people that need to work on it on part of the municipality, and there's something that we can do. Meaning, there's the matter here of involving the different authorities, the local municipality, and forget things, plans, what do they want to build, why is it like this or not, suppose where I live, there you have no parking places at all, it's crazy, a person has to drive in circles to find a place driver to park his car, it's terrible. Another thing are different problems it's an area where they're building all the time so why do I need to pay the same property tax as if I'm living in a luxury neighborhood that's what I pay here you have noise here you have garbage here you have trucks the big trucks coming trailers with different construction materials etc so why? Meaning both from the negative and also from the positive side, there are many reasons for which to tie these people together, to connect them. You have to show them what they gain, how they benefit from it. And gradually from that, they'll feel that they're gaining simply as a result of their connection, that it's worthwhile. And then, you move to the grass, have a barbecue, everyone brings something from their own kitchen, which is very different, starting with cooked fish, through Yemenian soup, uh, I'm not familiar with the Ethiopian kitchen, etc., etc. And also the same with the kids. And this way, gradually, gradually, to start. But there needs to be some kind of a very strong reason that you start with in terms of our development as human beings in general what's the need for people that are different to connect meaning for me it's much more convenient to live the way I live my life to raise my children the way I raise them and the way I think and with other people that are more or less like me that see life the same way I do. It's more comfortable. And life's arranged in a way that I always have stuck next to me people that aren't like me. So why not be 
inside my own public, forever, that with people that are like me. And that's how I'll be. And you have those that are similar to you, and you'll be with them forever, and Nitzah will be with those that are like her forever, in the same public. Why do people all the time have ideas about how to connect people that are different? Why? I respect you the way you are, I respect her the way she is, but don't come close to me. Once, people lived in caves, far from one another, didn't know about each other. Once, I read that people that lived in the Kiryat Gat area, you know, there are caves there, they wrote that we haven't seen light for the past two weeks from the Hebron mountain area, you know, from the direction of Jerusalem. There, they barely knew that here there's something, there there's something, because to walk from place to place, it was like 10 kilometers, who'd go there? It's crazy. A person lived, you know, where he is, like Bedouins, like Indians. They used to live throughout their continent, and to go from one tribe to another, it's hundreds of kilometers and maybe even thousands of kilometers. Later, they start multiplying and coming closer, either through wars or through different other kinds of connection, different pacts treaties. Later, they start settling down in different places, you know, in history. There were many eras, periods in which large blocks of humanity used to move from place to place. People came from Asia to Europe, from Siberia to Europe. Well, it was a well-known era, etc., etc., also from Africa. It's like uh, it said that we all came from Africa. And we see that today. There are no countries anymore. It's not really countries. What border do you have? You can cross the border. You come to any country. Maybe they'll stamp your passport. Oh, that's it. You cross. You can cross from country to country. Maybe you'll have some difficulties here or there from time to time, but you can stay and live in any country. You can also get married to someone. People in the thousands are really starting to move in the millions from place to place. It's no longer like it used to be. You see, you have education, culture, food, everything's mixed. Pizza everywhere, Coca-Cola everywhere. Okay, the, the trend is clear, everything's mixing. Right, so if everything's mixing, so much so, then you need to see these as certain signs in human development. What kind of sign? signs? that this is the general trend. But I don't feel comfortable connecting with people that aren't like me. Mister, that it's not comfortable for you. When I come to the U.S. or to Canada, I have many relatives there, and I come there, or I meet with groups of my students, 
Then there too I see that you have everyone there. From all countries, nations, races, everything. Really so? And so I see that this is the trend. Now the question is, do I need to get to know him? Do I need to be with him? We see that things don't really mix, but still. Suppose in the U.S. it's very conspicuous. They found some kind of something common, something in common, something that's mixed, some kind of common ground for everyone. And even though that they don't mix too much, but still, they do mix, gradually influence each other. If I'll stay inside my circle forever and you in yours. Don't say forever, because for sure it will not last. We see that the trend is to actually bring down all the borders. Did you ever dream that the President of the United States will be an African American? No. You have a kind of mixture like never before, and we can't stop it, because every day immigrate to Europe, another 10,000 immigrants from Africa, from Turkey, from different other places, and the same with America, from Mexico, from the South, and the same in England, and everywhere. And in Russia, what's going on? I have no idea. From all the southern countries, from China, China is spreading in the Far East, Russian Far East. You can't stop it. The borders are no longer borders anymore. Why do I need to keep them? For what? That I'll have some soldiers standing at the border. No one needs it. I'll come to you without a border. What do I have as a result of fighting you? And taking you prisoner. I'll need to feed you. What do I need it for? People don't want to fight for that. This I understand. I simply don't like people that aren't like me. This I agree with. And I agree with your opinion. Suppose. And I understand you. I'm like you. Only now... I'm looking a bit more at history, at what's going on today, and at what's going to happen later on. And I see that the trend is clear to me, that everything is headed towards a kind of mixture, incorporation, integration, cultures, races, trends, mentalities, everything was coming together in this single connection. He thought a hundred years ago that African music, jazz, things like that, would be played in Carnegie Hall. How could that be? How did it happen? It's the music of slaves. In New Orleans it's okay, but in New York, in Carnegie Hall, I saw. 
Really? There are no borders in anything. Meaning that it is a trend that exists in nature. It's not that humanity wants it or not. Everyone's like you. But we can't all the time go against the flow, the current, because it won't help. To the contrary, it's better for me to rise above what I want and to see what nature does. And here, maybe, I can benefit more. You see, what will happen if you'll start organizing something against Africans or South Americans that are coming from Latin America will be accepted. So really erase you. It's forbidden. Also, it's illegal, etc., etc. Same in Europe. Start talking in Europe against those that are coming from Africa and Arab countries, etc. And suppose 50 years or 100 years ago it was the opposite. So, this is how I see that things are working. Now, we're living in Israel. We have Russians, Ethiopians, and Israelis. Well, suppose we put the religious aside. That's something in and of itself. So we need to think, how do we connect them? Either we deal with each of them separately, and when we do it, we prepare them for a mutual connection. You don't do it immediately. Suppose there are a few Ethiopians, a few Russians, and a few real Israelis. Native Israelis. Could be from the upper class, or it could be really day-to-day people from the hoods. And so I deal with every type of the population separately first, but gradually I prepare them in the direction that we're speaking about now, and not for them to stay in the direction that you're talking about, which is depart. And I think that that's the way. Slowly, slowly. And this is how we can do it. And then we'll see how. Through the kids, through different games, by connecting these three types, different types in the neighborhood against the municipality or something. So it will be beneficial for them, etc. But you need to work on it. If you're asking me, I completely don't understand the Ethiopian population. Probably they don't understand you either, so it's kind of mutual. Right, but it doesn't mean that this is how I need to stay. And of course, today I have different... I, I don't even have thoughts, but if I think about it, I'll find out that I'll have different thoughts like how can I connect them in what language I don't know how their homes are arranged I don't know nothing I really don't know nothing I lived in a place called Sharaim 
I had a business there, my home was there. And many times I was invited to weddings, and I used to come, and this was 40 years ago when I only came to Israel. Suppose it was in 1975, to Yemenian weddings. Yeah. Did, did you learn the famous Yemenian dance? No, no, I myself, I was, I was shy. Sometimes I used to, but I remember that first of all, it was like, now we're going to sing. Someone invites uh, people to sing. You know, it's 20 minutes till they warm up. 20 minutes. I don't know what to do with myself. You know, 20 minutes is because they were probably tired or something. It could be much longer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It has a sweetness of its own, but still, then the smells. I can't sit there. I had ulcer back then, I remember, to sit next to the table and, you know, try this, try that. And I can't. Meaning, I felt it on myself, and I was like the, the doctor of the community in Shahai. My wife, they used to call her the doctor's wife. And you know, I tried, uh, I'm very subtle in that. They felt it really, they really treated me nicely. And I didn't understand. Later, I understood them very well. Later on, really, I got used to it. Well, I lived there for many years. I got used to it, I was with them and the different editions and everything. Got everything, no problem. Also, many of the caretakers that worked in my business and patients that were from there, our time's almost up. I want to leap forward. Yeah, but we agreed. We deal with each of them separately in order to bring them closer. And we're looking all the time for opportunities of how to mix them a little. Okay, so phase A, each public per se, phase B, connecting them together. That first of all, I connect them between them on the background of Love Covers All Crimes. And then they already have this inclination that they're ready to agree with those that are close to them. And further on, they'll be able to agree with those that are more distant. Okay, suppose we start this process, two-state process. A year went by. A certain period of time went by. The public developed. Describe a neighborhood that's mixed, in which there are two or three different kinds of public, and they developed in this perception. What is it like in its harmonious state? Different publics, but between them there's already one. Today we're going to a Yemenian wedding. Tomorrow we're going to an Ethiopian wedding. The next day, even to an Ashkenazian wedding or something to something else that they're doing. Meaning, we feel that it is all one family. The uniqueness of each public remains. Yeah? So what's added? Still, it won't stay... Okay, obviously, it always mixes, but 
with love and respect that there is room for every kind of expression because it, it doesn't stand in the way but it actually helps us to be more involved, more, you know, it's like a game. What's good about playing? You play this way, I play that way, she plays like this, and he's like that, and by it we find more color. You can't play on just one string. You know, the richer the better. We need to, to like it, to appreciate it, to respect it. Now, were I to ask you, some one rule, some, what's the most important thing to hold in mind in order to reach a connection between different populations, to love each separately? to awaken in them first of all the love between them and from that to teach them how to connect and love others that's the, the trend but that's education otherwise it's going to be the other way around. It's going to be Nazis, these and these and those, each and hate towards the others. You need to approach them and educate them with love. First of all, love between them. It's not just to connect against someone, but in favor of a good connection, positive connection. And then from that positive connection, there will also be connection between them. Don't play on, we are more or better than someone else, than the others. That's the easiest, but it's terrible. Thank you very much, Dr. Leitman. Thank you, Nitsa. Thank you for being with us. Let's play together on the strings of love. Till next time, all the best. Michael Leitman, on Quora, what story is read on Purim? Why? The story starts with Ahasuerus, king of Shashan, enjoying a royal feast, and then his wife, Queen Vashti, disobeyed one of his commands, so he divorced her and sought another wife. The king had a loyal minister called Mordecai, who was a Jew and who had a beautiful niece, Esther. Mordecai sent Esther to apply for becoming the king's new wife, and the king was so impressed with Esther that he married her. However, following her uncle's order, Esther kept it a secret from the king that she was Jewish. Soon afterward, Mordecai, while sitting at the king's gate, overheard the two conspirators, Bigton and Tresh, were plotting to assassinate the king. Mordecai thus passed on this knowledge to Esther, who told King Ahasuerus, and he executed Bigton and Tresh. While we would expect the king to reward Mordecai for this deed, the king surprisingly rewarded and promoted not Mordecai, but Haman, and Haman gained a very powerful position in the kingdom as head of all ministers. Out of all people in the kingdom, Mordecai was the only one who refused to accept anyone besides King Ahasuerus as ruler. This infuriated Haman, and as a result, Haman ordered the genocide of all Jewish people, women and children included. He justified his decision to King Ahasuerus by stating that the Jews were scattered and dispersed, 
and that the king would be better off without them because they do not obey his laws. The king approved Haman's request. When Mordecai heard about the order to kill all Jews, he was shocked. He proceeded to tear his clothes, cover himself with a sack, and pour ashes all over himself, and then he started yelling about it all over the city of Shushan until he reached the king's gate. When Esther heard about Mordecai's frenzy, she sent servants to dress him up but he refused. He told them to tell Esther about the plan to kill all the Jews, and that she must beg the king to undo it. Esther was terrified because she thought that the king would disapprove of her request. However, thanks to Mordecai's persistence, she finally agreed but passed on a message through Mordecai to the Jews of Shushan that they need to unite around this request to save their lives. The Jews uniting gave Queen Esther the strength she needed to approach King Ahasuerus with the request to reverse his decision. It is considered a miracle that he accepted this request, because it was only customary for the king to call up anybody whom he had a request for. At that point, she revealed to the king that she was Jewish, and that Haman was planning to kill them all. Around this point, the king also learned how Mordecai was the one who saved his life from Bigton and Tresh's plot to assassinate him, and his attitude to Haman turned bitter. While Haman had been preparing gallows upon which he would execute Mordecai, the king became so upset with Haman that he ordered his execution, and the execution of his entire family, on the very gallows that Haman had prepared for Mordecai. And from then on, the Jews' lives were saved and they reveled and feasted in their unification. Since that time, it has been customary to celebrate Purim with a lot of joy, eating cookies called Hamantashes, Hamantashen, Haman's ears, giving gifts to the poor, wearing costumes and masks, and drinking so much alcohol so that we cannot tell good, Mordecai, from bad, Haman. Besides the joyous atmosphere that surrounds Purim, it has a very important and serious message specifically for the Jewish people. Especially in times when anti-Semitism is exponentially on the rise globally, the Purim story shows us, that the Jews' only weapon against the rising hatred toward them is their unity. We can and should protect ourselves and our loved ones. However, if we wish to rid ourselves of the negative sentiment coming at us, from all directions, then we need to unite. The custom of giving gifts to the poor, usually portions containing hermant ashes and wine, is a sign of closeness, an expression of a desire to bring all factions of the nation together. Our great sages over the generations have repeatedly told us, that our unity will be our salvation from any negativity toward us. The Book of Zohar, in the portion, Ahermo, Item 66 takes the importance and seriousness of our unity one major step forward, that our unity not only brings us, peace, but it brings peace to the whole world. You, the friends who are here, as you were in fondness and love before, henceforth you will not part from one another, until the Lord rejoices with you and declares peace over you. And by your merit there will be peace in the world. Anti-Semitism is a constant pressing reminder that we Jews need to unite just as the Jews did in the Purim story, and that if we do, we will be saved from harm. Moreover, as the Zohar writes, our unity will spread beyond our own bubble to humanity at large. 
similarly to how Haman's reasoning to commit genocide on all Jews, including women and children, seemed over the top. We likewise see how seemingly illogical so much anti-Jewish reasoning is. It is because a lot of people instinctively feel how the Jews are behind the various forms of pain and suffering they feel in their lives, and they blame the Jews for standing behind much of theirs and the world's suffering, while Jews themselves have no such intentions. If we thus unite among each other, and show that we wish to share our unity with the world, we would then serve as an example of brotherly love above differences that no other nation could display. Humanity today desperately needs the inclination to unite above differences, and this is the ability that we Jews have the potential to provide. Haman is a symbol of our rampant egoistic desires for honor and power at all costs. These desires stop us from caring about each other, and make us wish to trample on others in order to expand our own personal empires. If we Jews give in to such desires, then people around the world instinctively feel that we are doing something wrong, and anti-Semitic sentiment swells against us. Anti-Semitism is thus part and parcel of the laws of nature, a reminder of our need to unite above our differences, and to serve as a unifying example for the world. If we exercise the condition that our ancestors once met, love your neighbor as yourself, we can revitalize the emotion of unification, which would in turn overcome our rampant egoistic demands represented by Haman. When we do so, then the world will see the true value of what Jews represent, that there is no matter of superiority in the Jews' existence, but a need to reach a state of genuinely caring for each other and acting as a conduit for such care to spread worldwide. We then reach a sensation of humanity as a single soul, that is we feel a unified desire connect us and in such unity, we experience harmony and peace. The purpose of anti-Semitism is thus to push us, to realize our unifying role in the world, which is the meaning of us, being a light unto the nations. We would be wise to learn how to unite, and to exercise unity above our own differences, because by doing so, we would experience its myriad benefits of joy, strength and prosperity. When we unite, we eliminate hatred, anti-Semitism, wars and all forms of negativity that emerges from within human egoism to divide people. It is my hope that we use the Purim holiday as a reminder of our need to unite, and that we move in a unifying direction sooner rather than later. We would then spare ourselves and humanity much suffering. Based on the meaning of Purim by Kabbalist Dr. Michael Leitman. Written, edited by students of Kabbalist Dr. Michael Leitman.